while you're trying to find an old Casio calculator to put Linux on, I'm going to I'm going to be eating a salad. You're listening to episode 167 of PHP Ugly, your Thursday night feed of PHP happiness, pureness, and just downright joyfulness of PHP programmer. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson. You did it. With me, as usual, Thomas Wright. Hello! My goal is to and interrupt as much so as possible. Not so usual. Only when his parole officer makes him attend, John Kanga. That's your second parole officer joke of the day. The first one went over really well, so <laughs> I just figured I'd, I'd reach back in yeah, that bag. Double down. So, you know. Why not? Yeah, why not? The first one wasn't. How's everybody doing? The first one wasn't on me, though, so it's okay. Doing good. <laughs> cool. I, uh, I have done nothing all week but be sick. I, I I was I am a terrible sick person. I don't know if it's if it's getting old or what, but one of the benefits of working remote is you don't seem to get sick as often, especially when you don't have young kids. Like John, you're screwed. You got young yeah, kids. For sure. oh, they're just they're just yeah, they're just petri dishes of germs and, and all sorts of crap. But um yeah, one of the one of the perks of, of working remote is is you know, you don't seem to get sick very often i just i cannot seem to handle being sick because man i was hurt bad it's easy to whine and cry when you're sick i i'm a a baby too i mean i I stave up all my whining and crying for when i am sick so i can really use it to the best effect (laughs) so i i have uh i have very little coding stuff to talk about because like I said I haven't been doing much all week so if you guys have some fillers that would be great I always have fillers what are you talking about isn't that what we do well yeah. hey we had, a meet, we had a meet up last night Thomas you don't want to talk that's it yeah go on meet up tell me all about it nah go ahead your turn we'll talk about meet up later no uh, don't don't pass it off. The meetup was very good. I actually pulled myself together to go to the meetup yesterday. That's like the first time I had left the house all week. And John did his PHP World Talk uh, preview of event sourcing. And it went over real well. Yeah, I was, I was happy with it. Yeah. I forgot, I forgot one small section of my, you know, prepared speech. It wasn't critical to the overall... Uh, presentation so i felt way better than i did last month that's for sure so if you if, if you're into a... if you're attending php world this month like in a week right? two weeks two weeks yeah two weeks. well i'm editing uh, so we'll just say next week <laughs> in a couple <laughs> days <laughs> <laughs> uh you you definitely want to get John's uh event sourcing on your on your schedule. It, it's a really good introduction to event sourcing. Yeah. It's actually So we're recording on uh, October 10th. It's 2 weeks from today will be my event sourcing talk. That's the one on Thursday. The one on Wednesday will be the TDD 101 talk. Cool. Yeah, just come out for my talks and then leave, and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, all set. Are you excited, Thomas? No, it's gonna be you, gonna be a you, good time. You excited to do some traveling, Thomas? 
It does remind me I need to take my medicine. Mm. Uh, you know I hate traveling. I know. Um, fortunately, I have a direct flight uh, from Colorado Springs, which is going to be really nice. Again, I, then, so I don't know how everything is in a direct flight from Colorado Springs. It's like you're right in the middle of the country. Well, everything's a direct flight from Denver. Mm. But Colorado Springs, we have a very tiny little airport that that uh, Frontier flies out of, and they only fly out for the winter season. Are we flying direct, Jim? Did, you, did I hear you say we're flying direct? Of course we're flying. Oh, That's crazy talk. That's awesome. Last time we last time we f- we had a layover, somebody lost a laptop. <laughs> Just saying. So we're not doing layovers. Are, anymore. are you sure? No, it's getting too expensive. Actually, actually, I'm pretty sure the last time we went to PHP World, somebody lost their headphones. That was tech, wasn't okay, it? Okay, tech. But I don't know. I know it was one of them. It might have been tech. I don't know. <laughs> it was world. I think it was world last year that you lost your. Uh, no, that was Longhorn. Longhorn or Lone Star. The good people of Houston. Yeah. They're good people down there. Speaking of which, speaking of PHP World, uh, I need you guys to bring me uh, the latest in Diego Dev fashions. I'm I'm still wearing my Diego Dev shirt from, what, four years ago? Oh, man, I don't know if we have anything for you, Thomas. I I have to see. Our our supplies are... for 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 the... more mature male is uh, running a little low. Um, I see what. But you ordered two of them and used both of much, them. Yeah. Oh. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I know. But uh, we will bring some but, goodies. Well, uh, it's noted for mm-hmm. for our next order. We'll bring you some goodies though. Yeah. Yeah, I was going through my previous uh, clothing choices, and realized. You know, the last time I was at a conference, I had my Respect the Double Claw shirt and my Diego Deb shirts, and that was all I had for the entire conference. <laughs> you have either one of those now? And now the... I have my Diego Dev one still. It's still in great shape, actually. Um, but the Respect the Double Claw shirt did not make it through the uh, washer, as fortunately. Uh, it shrank about do, five Do you sizes. wear the same size I wear, Thomas? I will yeah. literally give you the shirt off my back. I'll, I'll give you one of the new t-shirts we have. I'll give you one of mine. That's how. I, oh, we'll figure. That's it. how, that's how I roll, it, man. That's that's how I am with my friends. I'll pack enough shirts in my bag. Just <laughs> okay. in case. That might be a good idea. That. You realize you go to a conference and you get like fifty shirts. That's true, but you know what? Just, they didn't ask my size at this conference. I don't know if they're gonna. You know, when you're they, when you wear a triple XL. You're, yeah, you're on they, the rare end of things. Yeah, no, they should. They should. You should have got an email after registering to fill out like a survey, including that. Oh, maybe I did do that. I, I don't know if I did that. Plus, plus, you go to all the vendor, go to the vendor tables. They all have t-shirts. I always feel weird yeah, this asking is a for big those. conference, man. What do you do? You just walk up to a vendor and say, "Hey, give me a shirt." I don't want to listen to your crappy uh, sales pitch, but give me a shirt. Yeah. Really? I never do that. Yeah. I, I'm very self-conscious about that. Well, I usually point, well, point for, behind we, them and we, then grab it and run. <laughs> we also go to plenty of conferences where we, we've seen, we know what they're offering for the most mm-hmm. part. Don't need to go through the sales pitch. We're like, 
Yeah, I talked to you last time at, at the last conference. Can I have some of your stuff? Could give me give me some swag. Yeah, sure, take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm terrible at that. Yep. Terrible. Okay, what else we got? Let's move on. So we're all going to be at PHP be. World. If you're going to be at PHP World, make sure you come up and say hello. We like saying hello to people, and we'll have stickers and uh, stickers. And I got to see what we have as far as letting your stuff go, but we'll have some swag. Yeah, and if and if, if you need not- to find us, we'll be at the hotel bar. <laughs> Who will be my buddy? Uh, well, I'll, my I'll buddy be. Eric Bar- Eric Barnes from Laravel News sent me like a hundred Laravel News stickers. So I'm like, uh, I'm like Laravel News sticker rich. I need that thing. I need those like get value like Bitcoin, man. Because <laughs> uh, I'm what, like plunge in value as soon as you get them. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'll bring those with me as well. If anybody wants Laravel News. Stickers. They'll be at PHP World. Well, I'll have everything. That's usually how I roll. Do, do they have like? Uh, do they have the community sticker tables at World? Probably. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Easy way to pass these out. Eric's like, I'll buy your friendship with stickers. I mean, I just need friends, man. Nobody, nobody wants to be my friend. That isn't true. It's hard. Telling you. I mean, I doubt it's true. I don't have any definitive proof. <laughs> I, I ask, ask John who who he uh, who he went to the air show. Yeah, you, you broke up there, but <laughs> who'd you go to the air show I with, got, John? I got the, I got the gist. With with a friend of mine, Spencer Pointkowski. Oh my God, the betrayal! The Pointkowski. And, and what what really made it bad is I'm telling the story, we're talking, and then I'm like, oh yeah, and the week before I went to the Padres game with him. He's like, oh. Yeah, not, not that I like baseball or anything. I mean, I can understand why I wasn't invited yeah. to that one. And, and, the week before, and the week before that, we were going to play disc golf, but you know, not making yeah. it. Yeah, I, I get it. I can't even get the guy to, to, to be on a podcast with me on a regular basis. But I understand. I get it. So I, I have a topic uh, <laughs> that I wanted to bring up in this podcast because for some reason it showed up in force this week. Uh-oh. I'm worried about this one. Yeah, the, He's talking about the impeachment in, inquisition. Uh, if only I could. <laughs> I'm actually talking about learning games. Learning how to code through video games. Okay. Uh, And we've seen a lot in the past about games that are supposed to teach kids how to code, but there was a real flood this week. Um, So Ubisoft, who's famous for the Assassin's Creed games, released a free video game called Rabbids Coding. And you download their client, install it, and you get 26 levels using... uh, this sort of drag-and-drop case statements and if statements and everything, these conditionals, to beat the puzzles on each level. Uh, and it looks it looks very similar to uh, Scratch, yeah, if you've ever used that. Yeah. Uh, but then, at the same time, someone dropped the MySQL murder mystery. 
This is a this is a MySQL database with starter instructions on how to select the first entry and every entry tells you what the next step is to solve the murder mystery. And as you travel through it, you are learning how to write SQL statements and solving the, <laughs> the murder in SQL City. Hmm. Now, they, they have a starting point for people who are already experienced in SQL. You just sort of jump into the middle of the story and it catches you up on things. And then it starts to get into advanced topics. Uh, but I found out that this whole thing is based off of the command line murders, which is a, a game written in Bash, I believe it's Bash, where you have to find out, you have to solve the murder in Terminal City using all of the Bash instructions. So the, the SQL one is not particularly helpful for me. I'm pretty great at SQL, but I will definitely I be solving the command line murders. Have you looked into the, the, the sequel murder mystery at all? Like beyond what the story is? Yeah. So if you look at the, um, the prompt for experienced, uh, for experienced users, it simply says, uh, a crime has taken place. The detective gave you the crime scene report, but you somehow lost it. You vaguely remember that the crime was a murder that occurred sometime on January 15th, 2018, and that it took place in SQL City. Start by retrieving the corresponding crime scene report from the police department's database. So it's, it starts you off with vague instructions. It doesn't give you the SQL that you would need to do you're going to have to describe tables and understand what the structure of the database is before you can start doing anything. But it's, it's working under the assumption that you're experienced. Uh, now, if you're inexperienced, it starts off with a cheat sheet that tells you how to get to that point and how to start querying tables and figuring out what, what it is you need to write. So... I. I I, I like that they have a their last commit on the database was obscure the solution. <laughs> I like this I like this idea of these command line games to teach you this kind of stuff. I mean well, there's nothing new. I mean this has been around Vim has a whole game that teaches you all the Vim commands and it's a little you, you push a guy through the maze by uh by doing all the VIN, VIN commands. So, yeah, this stuff is awesome. I, I love this stuff. Yeah, I, I really enjoy this, and I'm definitely going to be doing the command line murders. And I'm going to try and get my kids into the Rabbids one, the Rabbids coding, because it's, it's not a simple, you know, interface. It's a, definitely a full-fledged game interface from a modern company. Um, and it has humor and cute characters and puzzles. Uh, it definitely, it looks like it could be something helpful to teach my kids just the concepts, the core concepts of what programming is and why we do it. Do you need a Windows machine to play this? Rabbids does need a Windows machine. All right, well. It, it, it actually looks like it's built with Scratch. 
it's just it's just duplicating the scratch interface. Yeah. It's the same conceptual the way it it visualizes the flow of the mm-hmm. code. But it's uh 26 levels and or I'm sorry, 32 levels and a sandbox mode where you can build your own puzzles. And it's got objectives like vacuum up the mess and dump it in the dumpster and it's I I like it. I'm a fan. I think releasing this kind of stuff for free is definitely in the interest of the video game companies because it teaches kids to do the work that they're looking for people to do in the future. Just re- just realized part of my problem here is I've got to hardwire my uh, laptop. That'll slow you down. Yeah, a, bit. a little bit. Um, I'm hearing you stutter like crazy. I'm freezing. You and lost my audio. Lost audio. That's all right. We don't need it. Right. No. It's, there you go. We're fine. <laughs> uh, another thing that we've been forgetting to mention that I've had on my list is that as this is October, it's Hacktoberfest. Uh, Hacktoberfest. If you want to get a t-shirt, I believe it's a t-shirt. It's a t-shirt. Uh then you got to go over to hacktoberfest.com, sign up for it. Actually, you don't. And participate. You don't have to sign up for it. They they, hand, they take care of all that stuff for you. All you have to do is, is get to open source project. I think you have to you have to commit. You have to have five PRs. The, the PRs don't even have to be merged. They just can't be dismissed. You have to open up five. I think it's five, uh, five PRs with uh, open source project, and uh, that I think you get a T-shirt. You yeah, sh- you do have to sign up through their site with your GitHub yeah. account. That's I, how they manage. Oh, yeah. yeah, but you can actually sign up at the end of the month. So if if you if you find you, yourself contributing this month and you're like, well, I want to sign up now, it it'll honor whatever you do this month. So you got last minute, and it will, uh, it'll, it'll take care of it. They're very uh, liberal with that stuff. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, uh, a, an airplane yeah. thing for me to work I, on. I happen to submit a PR on October there you 3rd, go. and that's counting. You know, I, I, I submitted a PR, too. I don't, I don't remember when it was. I need to go back and look now. Uh, it was after Laravel 6 came out, so... It might have been before October, but you know, got to go look. I keep saying I'm going to do this. I'm going to get more involved with open source projects and contribute more, and I, I never do. I'm, I'm a horrible, horrible person. Horrible developer when it comes to stuff. I, I get involved as I need something. Like That's me. Yeah. This is broken. Let me, let me, I'll fix it and, like, I'll contribute, but I'm not trying to find something new, per se. Alright, alright. Um, why do you have, why do you have, Thomas, a bunch of Docker, uh, links in the Oktoberfest article? Oh, because I screwed up pasting stuff. Wow, you really Um, screwed up. There's a lot of... (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that was, that was one of the, the weird things that happened last week was that, uh, Docker is basically said it's running out of money. And nobody can quite figure out why, because they got a huge round of initial investment. 
Because it's easy to spend money, man. But I guess easy to spend it, hard to make it, hard to keep it. Yeah, yeah. True, true, and true. Like, how? Where are they making their money? Docker Hub? Is that the main place? Uh, Docker Hub partnerships with Microsoft and Red Hat. Uh, support, paid support. Probably hosted services. So they've, I mean, they've got a lot of, yeah, they have a Docker Enterprise. Uh, they have an Enterprise Solutions. Yeah, I'm signing up for Hacktoberfest. You guys, you guys have moved on stories, but I'm, I'm, I'm just signing up for Hacktoberfest. Just so you know. What, do I have a profile? Ah, huh, it shows me my progress. Uh, brings it. Good progress there, buddy. You haven't made any pull requests yet. Hey, I haven't either. Be nice. Hey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to accomplish this, this year. I, I say that every year, and I never do. So this year, this year I'm going to try to make give it a real solid effort. Well, you better jump on it quick, because we're going to be gone for a week. I know, right? I guess you could do it at the... At the uh, conference right? and the month is like uh we're already you know almost two weeks into the month already so yeah buckle down man i don't know is the it... conference runs surprisingly late what do you mean i think it's always around this time yeah you mean late as in date I mean, because or they're... late as in the time that they run well it gets it gets out at five thirty, but then at 7 they do that game night, board night stuff, and then there's the yeah, it's just a DC PHP user. I guess five thirty is not too. Yeah, they always have they always have stuff going on for out of towners who you know don't have anything better to do. Yeah, but it gets out at I mean, seven. Gets out at seven. What are you talking about? The twenty uh, fifth anniversary celebration. I guess that's not really mandatory attendance. It's a conference. Nothing is mandatory. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Obviously not. So we had a good uh, good meeting today. I'm going to move us on. Eric and I had an... Oh, man, wasn't it a great meeting? Yeah, we had a new potential client come into our offices today, and we had a good turnout of developers show up to help, you know, make the place look lively so look so, busy so thank yeah. you to those developers for coming in and making us look important but it was, it was very uh I, very exciting as far as having a new you know potential client work is always nice and it seems like they're sold on us we i think we do a good job of selling ourselves if we get a chance to talk to people <laughs> eric does anyway no. All right. Well, that was a fun story. Next. I thought you were going to go into more detail on that one. I didn't. I didn't know. Well, I, I, I start and I'm like, it, I want to share, but, the detail, but then actually. you get an NDA sign. You're not allowed to really talk about what's going on yet. So, and we don't have anything. Like, there's not a contract in place where we're like excited to be working about the project and can share it. So, 
it was exciting. It's just always fun. Yeah. I, I, honestly, it's it's fun to talk about our business model and and what we do and why we do it and how much we enjoy doing it. I mean, that's what those meetings are. And uh, I I don't know. It's it's always good to rehash that because as many times as I tell the story, I still get excited, like re-energized when I talk about it again. The hard part is getting people to understand it as well. Like. Our our big thing around Diego Dev is you don't hire one person. Like we charge per developer just because that's what people are used to paying for. But you may hire quote unquote one developer from us, but we have a team. So if we're working on a JavaScript task, we will put a JavaScript person on it. PHP task or Elasticsearch or you know whatever the specialty is, we probably have somebody to fill that gap. Versus hiring one person that you hope knows all these pieces and they really don't. Right. So. Yeah, anyway. I wish I was fuller stack than I am. Yeah, but that's the see. That's the thing. It's like you you become full stack and then that uh, 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 a a manager or you know potential client then puts all the pressure on you to do everything, know everything. It's not fair, right. right? I mean, because you 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 really you really do want to be good at something, and it's hard to be good at a full stack. It's just there's too many moving pieces, and things are things are evolving too quickly. So, I mean, there's yeah. some... I used to consider myself full stack. Like I have it, the just like you. I'm sure you have a concept of it, but then you see somebody specialized in JavaScript or specialized in uh, DevOps or any of those other pieces and you're like oh yeah i, I just right. scratched the surface of those things like i could i could take a ton of time and figure it out but you put somebody that knows what they're doing and it's yeah kind it's eye-opening it's that it's that difference between between knowing a language and being fluent in a language well it's mm-hmm. that difference between being a php developer who uses a mysql database and being a database administrator Right. I mean, it's just like right. you think you understand the database and you think you understand how to use it, but those damn database administrators are like a special breed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think it, what's funny is in the PHP world, you don't know a lot of database administrators. I don't think there's a lot of people listening to this who would understand what a crazy type of person a DBA is. Right. Because it is. It is this intense, iron-fisted control position, and they refuse to let up any control over their system. So if you want to add a column, you're looking at yeah. two weeks of meetings and proposals. It's awful. Yeah. But the database is rock solid. Yep. I've never actually worked with one. I, I know them through meetups or conferences and you start talking to them and they really understand every optimization that's going on. And, you know, like you're saying, you don't add columns willy nilly or just anything. It's so much going into it. And I just don't know all those tweaks, all those specialties. Yeah. (laughs) You've got something and you show it to them and they say that won't scale to a million. Like, Mm -hmm. well, I didn't think about that. Like, of course you didn't fix it. (laughs) Uh, do you guys know what SHTF means? SHTF. Uh, can I guess? Uh, shit happens yes. to 
spread? I don't know. You're close. Oh, really? That was yes. A, your guess. You got one word right. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is it? Uh, shit hits the fan. Oh, mm-hmm. duh. Should have known that one. So this is a term that I ran across recently. Um, apparently, it's the the more politically correct term for people who are preppers. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I was looking at you guys and losing electricity in California on a nightly basis for a couple weeks because of fire conditions. And here, where it just snowed today for the first time this season. What? Yeah. You get and snow it outside? It didn't, it didn't lightly snow like it usually does the first time. It blanketed. Uh, Denver, which is just north of me, went from 80 degrees yesterday at a high to 27 high today. It was a 63 degree. No, no worry to be. No reason to be concerned about that. That's all natural uh, environmental stuff. That's uh, yes. yeah. Don't. There's nothing happening to the earth is, itself. Is it, isn't that 53 degrees? I'm not. Is my math wrong again? Uh, maybe it anyway, went lower than maybe the high was lower because it, it made it made news. Um, 64 degrees in less than 24 hours. Uh, it was highs of 79 and then down to 24 degrees. So. I mean, it's a dramatic swing. Yeah, uh, somebody doesn't know how to do math. Yeah. Probably me, but... I guess that's Denver Airport. Uh, my readings elsewhere in Denver hit 64 degrees in 24 hours. Either way, you know, living here in Colorado, your perspective is a little bit different on what's going to happen if something goes wrong or... Uh, the idea that something can go wrong. I have a lot of military friends out here who are always talking about how ready they are for everything to blow up. And for me, I'm a programmer. So when everything blows up, I provide literally no useful skill to anybody. <laughs> and, and I looked at my poor innocent children and realized I better have some kind of plan for myself in case anything like a good blizzard happens. Um, so I've been reading some of this stuff, and a lot of it is this alarmist, crazy stuff about, you know, systems collapsing in domino effects and how everything fails. And uh, what none of it is about is how to develop a community that can support each other in case of emergency. Like, Nobody ever says, hey, do you know your neighbors? You should hang out with them and talk with them. They're talking about which guns are the best guns and which knives are the best knives. And I'm like, yeah, but also... That's why you want to talk to your neighbors. You want to find out what sort of guns yeah. they have. <laughs> right. And But... I, I got some... Oh, go ahead. Are you, are you going so somewhere with this? I am, I am going somewhere with uh, this. Okay, well, take your time. What, what I found today was Collapse OS. 
Okay. This it is a Linux kernel designed to run on the microchip that is available in essentially every kind of crappy piece of electronics you can find. <laughs> it's designed to run on the oldest serial and PS2 interfaces. We talk about it's the designed... shit on the show. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> I was fascinated by this because the idea that you see stuff like games like Fallout or, or Metro, do you, you see these depictions in movies of collapsed societies and some guy built a computer, uh-huh. but the realism of somebody building a computer is he'd be the only guy in the city to have a computer. Well, building, he, no, see, building a computer wouldn't be, that, wouldn't be the hard part. It's the networking the computers that would be challenging because there, there are computer parts all over the world now, right? I mean, you, you can easily pick up a computer and piece together a, a, a terminal, but getting it to do anything functional is, is a whole nother challenge. Well, but the parts that you'll find nowadays are highly sensitive to electromagnetic pulse or shock or any number of ways they can be damaged, and they'll become high-value items. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is taking stuff like a Sega Genesis or a Casio calculator and turning it into a functional Linux machine. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting open source project. It's got full documentation on how to build it and how yeah, to, I am so confused on why we're talking about this. I, I mean, I don't know, but, but it, it does, does lead into uh, a, a new hobby I'm looking to take up. I, uh, I've been doing a bunch of research on aquaphonics. Do you guys know what aquaponics are? Yeah. Aquaponics? Yeah. Uh, aquaponics, yeah. So I, I've always been fascinated with closed source system. I mean, uh, uh, closed, closed loop. Sy- yeah, closed loop systems. Like systems that are able to feed themselves, right? And that's what aquapon- that, that's the whole idea behind aquaponics. Is it's a closed loop system where you know, essentially you have a fish tank and you... The, the fish do their fish business in the fish tank, and you pull that water out, and that water feeds plants, and the plants, you know, take the nutrients out of the out of the water that the fish, you know, leave behind. It then filters the water, and the water goes back into the fish tank, and this becomes like a whole cycle. So you never, you never have to clean the fish tank. The, the fish always have fresh, clean water. And you never have to water your your plants. The plants are always being watered through this circulation of of water coming out of the fish tank. And the only thing you, you and the can, water the water it produces is clean too. Right. That's that's the whole thing. Is is it, that that eventually filters back into the fish tank? So it's a it's a closed loop system. And uh, well, but if you I mean if you have dirty water, the plants will actually filter out heavy metals and chemicals in the water, and you can get clean water from dirty water by putting it into the system. Right. That, that's correct. And uh, I, I've always been fascinated by this, and I've always wanted to do it. And, and I have a very specific type of aquaponic system I want. I want what's called a vertical aquaponic system because it, it takes up a less physical space. Um, so your, your plants actually end up in, like, these tubes. And, Is this about pot? And no, no, <laughs> it's about just growing, growing my own f- food, but like doing it in the system. And I'm, I, I looked, I looked online, and it's actually surprisingly affordable to do this. So that's that's going to be my new thing. 
while you're while you're trying to find an old Casio calculator to put Linux on, I'm gonna I'm gonna be eating a salad because I'm gonna have my aquaponic system. I was gonna say, do you do you do you not see how clearly this ties in with the conversation about shit hit the fan that we were just having? Well, that's why I pulled it all together for you. That's that's thank you. That's my professionalism, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. We can use koi and goldfish. Uh, well, so if the fish in the system need not be edible. Well, that's the thing is, uh, a lot of people use uh, koi and a lot of people use goldfish because they're kind of easy to maintain and they have a lot, uh, better tolerance for uh, temperature uh, fluctuation in the water. But for the hardcore people, uh, you can actually breed uh, edible fish, so you can have fish in there that that are breeding. And if you want to eat fish, you get some of your fish out, and then you pick some salad, and you have a little fish and salad thing going on. So yeah, it's uh, there's there's all there's all these different stages, and of course you know you get on YouTube and you see some of these really complex, but but yeah, for the most like I'm not really that focused on the edible fish parts. So I'll probably just do koi or uh, goldfish. And because I mean, goldfish are cheap, so you just put put a bunch of goldfish in there and let them live and be happy. But I do kind of want to make it so that that the like like some of these systems, you don't even see the fish. They just put the fish in a barrel, and the fish just live a life inside this barrel, and you never see them. I kind of want want to make mine part of like if you walk in my backyard, you say, "Hey, you've got a bunch of fish back here." You know, like you can actually appreciate it a little bit. So that's that's kind of what I'm working through in my head. Is I I want to make it something that that people would be interested to walk up to and say, "Hey, what do you got going on here? I see fish down here. I see you know cabbages uh, and stuff if, growing." If you, if you're gonna do it in your backyard like that, make it a feature. Make it a koi pond. Right. Way that's than that's that's what I'm thinking. But but I don't I don't want it. I don't want it so big that it's a koi pond. And I don't think I have the room for a koi pond. And I don't want to spend that sort of money either. What? You definitely have enough room for a koi pond. My both my neighbors across the street have koi ponds in their backyard. Yeah, koi ponds are expensive yeah. though. Mm, I don't know. I'll figure it out. But that's that's my new thing. I'm gonna do that. I, I think I'm gonna start small and see how well it works out, and then and the, the, you can get everything on Amazon, so it's cool. Aquaponics. That's my new. That's that's my that's my new non-computer thing that I'm going to do. And and my wife was actually very pleased because usually my little hobbies are expensive. And so when she when she saw like how much I'd be spending, she's like, "Yeah, no, I I'm, I can get behind this one." And and you know it'd be nice to have like cucumbers. So I can just go back and get cucumbers and mints and and spices and stuff. And yeah. Did you tell her how many Raspberry Pis you're going to need to power the thing? That was yeah, that was another thing. Yeah, so <laughs> so one guy, the one guy had a little Raspberry Pi that was like automatically feeding his fish. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's I need that. That's 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 must have. <laughs> See, you can get away from computers, but you can't get too far away from computers. Nah, probably not. Yeah, I'm sure I'll figure out a way to geek it out. You know, I need I need to always watch like the. The temperature and and some sort of pH in the water. Don't pee in the water. That's bad for the fish. What's wrong with you? Uh, do you want to cover? You want to talk about inertia? Because I think after that, I'm gonna I'm gonna just sit on some real Laravel talk. 
Well, I'm glad we're going to actually talk about development stuff today. That that's nice. Yeah, talk about inertia. Um, like I said, I, I was sick. Uh, I was sick this week, but I I managed to muscle up enough energy to check something out. Uh, you might remember when when I got back from uh, Laracon, I was so really excited about Livewire. Um, because you know I I'm vaguely not a, recall that I'm not a big JavaScript guy, right? And so. Having that sort of dynamic sort of JavaScript functionality without having to do a lot of JavaScript is definitely a goal of mine. Um, but it, uh, also at that same Laracon, uh, everybody was talking about this inertia. And so I finally got around to look at it, and I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. So it's not exactly the same thing as Livewire, because um, Livewire is still very much a, I'm a back-end developer. I'm going to just do, you know, these these little dynamic components, like, you know, that. But the what Inertia does, it's pretty. It's a pretty slick project. So Inertia actually sits between a back-end and front-end, and there's, there's a couple of adapters and variations. Um, I think right now it supports Laravel, Ruby on Rails in the back-end, uh, Vue.js, React, and uh, there might be something else on the front end, and it kind of it kind of sits between these these two. It acts as a, as a broker, and basically, what it's really good at is getting data from the back end to your front end component. And so, Inertia allows you to write your controllers in Laravel just kind of the way you would normally write it. Uh, you have this uh, Inertia kind of um, helper or, or method you call. That then calls your view. So now all your pages, instead of blade templates, all your pages become view components. But passing data to them from the back end become very, becomes very simple. And passing data back to the back end from the front end is also just as simple. Um, so I've been checking out Inertia and I'm liking what I'm doing. Again, I'm not a big JavaScript guy, I like Vue. I kind of understand it, but it's one of those things like if I'm not always coding in it, I really start to suck at it. And views views changing just enough where like today I had to pull my JavaScript guy aside and say, hey, listen, what am I doing wrong here? Because this seems like, you know, I have everything set up right. And it was like some some minor little tweaks that uh that we needed to make. But I like I like these projects like inertia because they're really kind of they're really making that barrier of moving data around from back end to front end and front end to back end so much easier. Um, I, I like this. I think I'm actually starting to, for, there's an application that I've been wanting to build for a long time. And I, I think I have enough to go on with inertia that I can actually do it with inertia. It's, it's pretty slick. Yeah, this does seem a little slicker than than the stuff I've used in the past. I mean, I, I spent months working with React, and if you asked me to start a React project now, I would just quit. I wouldn't even know where to start. Oh yeah, it's it it falls out of my mind so fast if I that's, don't really that's, use it. That's me. That's how I am with all JavaScript. I mean, like I said, Vue is probably I, I I've been able to retain the most of with Vue. But still, it's like if I'm not doing it like every day or every week at least, 
I, I'm an idiot. Like, I can't even start a view project. You know, if I, I'm like, okay, I don't know. I know I need a view file and oh, I'm horrible at it. I've got to get better at it because everything's going that way. I mean, it's, it, there's, there, yeah. there's no stopping. All right. So what did you want to talk about with Laravel? Well, I want to start with the good, the good news. Okay. Uh, Taylor tweeted out yesterday that he is going to be starting a mini-series on the Laravel snippets where he shares his thoughts on building projects, marketing motivation, building an audience, and more. But in that same tweet, he also said, in the last five years, I've sold $10 million worth of software. Yeah. And I was just stunned. Why, why, would, why would that stun you? I wasn't thinking 10 million. I was thinking like 3 million, maybe. But 10 million, that's, that's a hell of a lot of money for one guy. Well, but, I mean, he, he didn't say he had 10 million. No, but if you look at his structure for the services he sells, a lot of it is self-hosting and, you know, minimal uh, investment, minimal infrastructure investment. So, I mean, I, I would bet you he has a lot of that money still. I think the stuff that's heaviest would be uh, the new cloud stuff that he's doing and then, like, Envoy, I think it is. But... Don't forget that he also sells the admin backend that he wrote and uh, several other components that are just components that are hosted on GitHub that he just sends you. And that stuff's pure profit. Well, but but he has a company now. He has employees. He has, you know. Yeah, and I did see a breakdown from the marketing team that he hired to create the new Laravel site and branding effort. Um, and so I'm interested in his opinion of that whole experience, uh, which he'll be giving in, in these Laravel snippet podcasts. Um, but that's, I think that's great news for, for Taylor. I'm really, okay. I'm happy to hear that. Okay. So you don't have an issue. Okay. So that wasn't the bad news. You, that's so the good news. That was the good news. Okay. I'm really upset about Laravel 6.2. <laughs> okay, why? Let's start with Laravel 6.2. So the reason that Semver works so well, especially in a framework environment, is that the things that get upgraded get version number upgrades, and the things that don't, don't. The only reason that Composer would encounter a backwards-breaking change is if you misconfigured Composer to allow it to happen. So as long as you're following Semver, you can have packages that are valid for 20 years because the package they rely on only gets bug fixes, security fixes, and stuff that doesn't break backwards compatibility. So you get these minor and patch revisions. Right. That was the big... Did, did he already broke Semver? Is that what you're saying? That was the big goal with the Laravel framework moving to 6 was that it would be Semver. Unfortunately, when he released 6.2 this week, I noticed that every sub-package that 
is used to build out the framework, which is generally called Illuminate. All of the Illuminate packages were updated and tagged to be 6.2 as well. And I thought, well, maybe he literally did touch every one of these libraries that's necessary. And so he decided to bump the version on all of them. But I looked into it, and there's plenty of libraries in Illuminate that did not get any change and, in fact, have five different tags on the same commit ID. <laughs> now, so basically, if you had it in your composer to stop at five, whatever, it, it didn't upgrade it. So the issue with this is, is not right now. 6.2 isn't going to break anything. It's not going to give anybody some big headaches because everybody's expecting it's still on the six major revision, which means it's still going to be backwards compatible. But when he does make a breaking change somewhere, and if he keeps following this trend, then it means that he's going to tag every package as broken now. And that completely defeats the purpose of going to Semver. I have packages that are for uh, CAPTCHAs, and they just require Illuminate support. And as long as Illuminate support is the same major revision, then you're good. And looking back all the way to 5.0, Illuminate support has technically been backwards compatible the entire time. But now that he's gone to Semver, if he keeps doing this, renumbering packages that haven't changed, he's actually going to make the problem worse because he's going to have more frequent major revision number changes. So, I mean, does that, does that make sense to you guys? Is that these support libraries that everyone uses, they don't require Laravel. They require Illuminate support or Illuminate database or Illuminate translations. There's no need to keep every component on the same version. Right. So if you look at the way that Symfony is versioned right now, they're at 4.3.5, but Debug is at 4.0, Polyfill is at 1.0, uh, File System and Finder are at 3.4 or 4.0. They're compatible with each other. You know, Twig is at 3.2 or 2.8. You know, th those supporting old revisions is important because they're, if they're not backwards compatible broken, then you don't need to refactor every single library that you require. And at this point I have, I think it's like 110 or something like that. Um, and this is a problem that Eric and I both encountered when we were upgrading to Laravel 6, which was we had abandoned packages that didn't have any conflicts except for they required five point something. Uh, and so I've got three projects that were abandoned that I've had to fork just so I can maintain them, so I can keep them six compatible. And the only difference is the composer JSON change. Um, so I really, really hope that this gets addressed. Um, it's not something you can do a pull request for. You just have to like talk to Taylor and say like, hey, you can't, can't reversion stuff that didn't change. Well, you'll have a chance to talk to him uh, in two weeks. I'm gonna see he'll be at World. 
So you can uh, you can go hunt him down and say, Taylor, I got a question for you. Do you think he'll recognize me though? Well, and just start say, running. It depends on if he starts running or not. That would be. Uh... <laughs> I actually went what you were just talking about as far as an unmaintained uh, package that's out there and bringing it in house to make your changes. That's actually the pull request that was accepted October 3rd. I made a pull request against this library back in May. And then it wasn't critical to the application, so we didn't hit that uh, bug very often. Found another issue with it. Opened a second pull request. Realized they didn't accept the one from May. So I'm like, all right, I guess it's dead. Forked it, brought it in, changed all my composer to hit hit uh, the new internal version of it. And a day later, he accepted both pull requests. Like, <laughs> why all of a sudden? What changed? So then I had to take the time to set all the composer, uh, all of the composer entries back to the other version. And of course, screwed up somewhere and had it open the same pull request like three times to fix that. Fun story. Okay, move on. No, I, 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 it's, it's a constant problem, and the idea of Semver is to fix that issue, and, mm-hmm. and it's now it's worse. So I, I that was a big headache for me, and I spent quite a bit of time in uh, Slack explaining to people why this was actually a worse problem than it was before and and not just a slight inconvenience. Because when he does go to 7, which should be sooner than it used to be, everything's going to break. So hopefully hopefully someone can uh, give him a quick lesson on Semver. <laughs> Somebody who's not me. You ready for... Uh, some doom oh, and gloom hey, to close this out. out, man. That that works for me. Let me let me give you a little doom and gloom uh, slide there. There you go. Oh, you oh yeah. you've got me all set up there. Lay it on us. Finish finish this out. There has been a major uh, password leak from some of the some of the highest levels in computing history. I'm not sure if you guys saw this at all, but it turns out that uh, Stephen Bourne of the Bourne Shell, a.k.a. Bash, his password was Bourne. <laughs> uh, Dennis McAllister Ritchie this. was DMAC. So... Somebody working at the Unix Heritage Society realized that these original authors of the Unix variant of BSD, the free version of BSD, when they initially released it on their mailing lists, they had user accounts created for themselves, and the passwords were hashed in uh, Descript, salted with... Uh, is limited to eight characters, salted with 12, 12 bits of entropy. And we're talking e, in the 70s. These guys were working. So uh, somebody decided on the, on the 
the Unix Heritage Society mailing list that they were going to decrypt these pioneers' passwords and get some insight into what they were thinking. And uh, a lot of people's passwords were really terrible. <laughs> uh, it, was either, it was either their own name or their wife's name or their favorite animal, uh, their favorite opening chess move. <laughs> so I, I like seeing these old, these ancient stories uncovered. Um, this goes back to what, 1979? And the, the algorithm that was used was deprecated over 20 years ago. But it is, it, it, it's always fun for me to, to look at the, the intricacies of the lives of these people who created the internet, who created computing as we know it nowadays, and how security has changed as well. I mean, in the days that they wrote this, they were using the strongest password hashing algorithm they could use. Um, and now there's a website that just offers to crack any Descript password for a hundred dollars. <laughs> you just you just paste it in and pay with uh, Bitcoin. I was I was say very old passwords. So, I mean, that's yeah. my doom and gloom. Horrendous, horrible leak of passwords on the highest levels from thirty years ago or whatever. Forty, forty years ago. Yep. <laughs> more, it's more interesting that they had accounts on machines they didn't have control over, I'm assuming, so they technically had remote exploits. This was the initial source tree for when they released Unix um, on, you know, as the, the basis for BSD. Or BSD is the basis for Unix. So this was... This was ancient history in commit logs from 30 years ago. 40, 40 years ago. God, that's amazing. Yeah, so hmm. uh, 40 years of history, still stored, and uh, still out there to, to view. There's a, the article on it is in Ars Technica, and I think it's wonderful. <laughs> you would, Thomas. You would think that's that's, this is my kind of thing. Alright, well you promised we'd wrap it up after that. Are we done? I think we're done. Um, uh, we have to say we're not going to be recording next week in preparation for our trip to PHP World. What? Or not? Okay. I think Eric and I had decided that last week. Okay. okay. Um... And thank you why to our leaving? Patreons. Why? But we're not leaving for five days after that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. I say you of all people should not be complaining about it, John. I'm not. <laughs> he already had it in his calendar for the first time ever. He's heartbroken. <laughs> right, John, if you really, uh, thank if, you to our Patreons. If you really want to record, we can record next week, and I'll, I'll take up the editing duties to make sure it gets done before the uh, conference. Oh, is is that the reason we're not recording? That makes sense. Yeah, that that would be that would be the no, reason. That's okay. Okay, that makes All sense. All right, as long as you're sure, sure. Okay, 
Thomas, please. I do have timeliness issues. Please proceed. Uh, Huge thank you to all of our Patreons. Uh, I would love if you could hit us on Twitter and let us know that you're going to be at PHP World or be in the area. We'd love to to hear from you and and hang out at some point. Thomas is big into hugs, so you'll get a hug from Thomas. I do hugs. <laughs> Eric does high fives. John John shuffles oh, in the corner. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> All right, that's it. I think we're wrapping up. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, you did. You did. You, you did say something about my parole officer, right? I did. I did. All right, that's it. That, what, what was this? One sixty-seven is in the can. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.